everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Good morning. Good morning. So, Virginia, I'm excited for today, and I know that I say that at almost every single podcast, but we have Liliana Partita back with us. She was with us during our cancer series, and she is a certified nutritionist at the Center for New Medicine in Irvine. She's also a fellow affiliate, and of course, she was your coworker for a lot of years. You guys were, mm -hmm, yeah, you guys were like the dream team at Center for New Medicine, and I know that you guys go back many, many years. Heidi. Liliana. Yeah. And I felt like we could accomplish anything. Yeah. We had a comprehensive, I think, understanding of what it took for people to heal. And we talked about this often, but healing is aligned with principles of freedom. We don't chase cures. We chase freedom. Right. So that people... Often, and Liliana, you'll attest to this, they experience something most of them haven't experienced in a lifetime. Yeah. So relational, emotional, spiritual truth and alignment and physiologically, the consequence of that is amazing. So yes, we were in alignment ideologically, philosophically, theologically, right? Lily? And the Trinity, the triangle, right? Yeah. That's right. You know, where you've got the spiritual aspect that you brought in, you know, the nutritional, the lifestyle I brought in. And then Heidi, you know, she brought the whole integration in regards to the functionality of it all. So which made us the perfect team. Yeah. Yeah. And that was proof in a lot of your clients' lives. Yeah. Yeah. And we profoundly believe that these principles of healing, understanding that the soul, the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience of a person ultimately determines what kind of energy goes to the brainstem, to the executive function, to the temporals that regulate the body. Yeah. That operate the body and that the reactivity happens right there in that region of the body, in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So the mind that thinks has consequences on the brain that operates, Mm -hmm. right? So, Right, Lily? Absolutely. I always say that your thoughts are the language of your mind and your feelings are the language of your body. So when you've got something going on with the body, you better address your emotions. That's right. right. The feelings behind it. And so I always say that, you know, you've got two, two, two voices in your head. You've got the mind, which is very much associated to ego, what, how life, how I perceive life, what it has done to me. Mm-hmm. And then you've got spirit that looks at how life is, is, is Designed, unfolding right? yeah. is for your highest good. And what did you learn? So, you know, you might've failed at something. So when ego says, Oh, don't do that again. You know, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. And then where spirit says, no, you did a great job. Look what you learned. You're going to have a PhD in knowing how to do it better. So there's two Mm -hmm. voices that you're always having to reconcile Mm -hmm. with. And so I always just want to let people know is that they have a choice to sit back and to listen to whose voice are they listening to? Mm -hmm. And I think these conversations are so important. And I think this is the glue that really fused our very souls together as practitioners, Liliana. Liliana and I were talking, Natalie, and you heard before the podcast how we really worked in this segment of the clinic that it was like a triangle, spearheaded by Heidi, who is, in my opinion, the best doctor 
I've ever, ever, ever in terms of she turns every stone. She's so thorough. She's so comprehensive and she dreams about it, thinks about it. And she's like a dog with a bone. If you're her patient, (laughs) she doesn't (laughs) stop. yeah. Yeah. And Liliana, frankly, doesn't either in her own way, in different way, nor do I. Yeah. And you guys are like detectives. Exactly. And to have that kind of collaboration. And then it occurred to us because the number of cancer patients we had and whatnot. And the devastating and really traumatic stories that we heard, we are committed to education, to inspiring, instructing, equipping. Why? Because what we shared amongst ourselves, we know we can teach and we can communicate and facilitate communities of rest and healing. That's why we're starting the Living Rest Program. We decided no more than 20 patients or clients who are either executives or who have neglected their health and they know they're not okay and they hear some of our podcasts and say, I'm headed for disaster. Well, we are committing 12 months to every single one of those people. And we are 100% sure that we can turn their health around because of the things you and I are going to talk about today. Beautiful. Love it. So I want to make your program that we're going to be discussing in the next two, three podcasts. I want to bring this to bear so they have a mechanism. Foundation. With, foundation yeah. with food for something yeah. as simple as food, right? So we're, I mean, I'm so excited about this conversation we're going to have. Me too. Yeah. I want to say, Natalie, Liliana and I, we're across the hall from one another, right? And... She had one panoramic window and I had another window Mm -hmm. and my window faced the door. Yes. And I want to say this to our listening audience and Liliana is going to break this down with me more throughout this conversation. But every single patient at the clinic that walked in the door, I saw them walking in and I could tell what my experience was going to be with them and the likely outcome of what we were heading for just by how they walked in and how they interacted with the people that brought them or their relatives. If it was a husband, wife, child, there were a number of times that I would just say to Liliana, we need to pray about this family because I don't see how she's going to make it. Mm. I could just tell by how they walked. Do you remember that, Lily? Yeah, or she would say things to me. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's an energy that follows uh, good health or ill health. And so there is also that energy of hope that comes into it all the time. And so you see it. And the beautiful thing about the body, I mean, remember that gentleman that was like, had cancer on his face and he had this very, it was a tumor, big, big, a big, big tumor. And I remember- I'll never forget him. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Just how, how incredible the body is to be able to heal itself. Anyway, he came for, I you know it was a good year. It was like another head it was, almost yeah, it was growing an, it, in his jaw. Wow. And it was so beautiful because we, they can't see us, but we can see them. And so as he was walking out of the clinic, he- he stopped at that uh, at that window because it looks like a mirror yeah. and literally he started breakdancing right Aww. and i just i just thought that warmed my heart so much because i thought wow when he came in here there was such a deficiency in his in his beingness and for me to watch him do that little breakdown i just thought this is what why we work yeah right it's that's just, beautiful it's to get to experience this one beautiful moment right? it was so amazing we were it's saying- like a scene from a movie <laughs> it is it's like yeah. a scene from a movie but i wanted to say 
No, not but, but nothing. The other day we were having a discussion group at the office, as we often have, about theology and philosophy and the practical aspects of life. I remember it was very late. I'd been there for 14 hours. Yeah. I was exhausted. And our leader, Blake, was very disciplined about time and structure. And you know me, if there's a pulse and a discussion's going, I'll keep going. And he said, well, it's time to wrap it up. And I remember thinking, oh, thank God. Because I can't, thank God he's, it's him leading and not me. And then I thought, thank God, because I can't wait to get up in the morning. Mm. Like tomorrow's another day we get to show. And when you think Liliana of the magnitude and the seriousness and Natalie, you too, of the, you know, the things I'm dealing with, I kind of thought... Wow, I really believe the stuff I say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah. We are our and best students, believe me, you know. Do you know, but, you well, know we believe it. You know, we know it. We see it. Physician heal thyself so that we can, right, when we live yeah. it. Absolutely. I tell my patients, you know, when they talk about some of them have never really experienced what real vitality looks like. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, it looks like when you wake up in the morning and you're excited and there's really nothing to be excited about it, but waking up, right? <laughs> and just being excited for the day. Of, and I can't you know, believe there's another opportunities day. that come through. Yeah. Yeah, that's vitality. That's good health. So the spirit of the things we're going to talk about today are really in the context of an amazing friendship and incredible commitment to excellence and the absolute resolve that life is so much more than we understand. And we've, under amazing circumstances, we've lived this for almost a decade together. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's amazing how time goes by. I don't know why <laughs> three times this came up in my thoughts, so I'm just going to say it. You are Liliana Partita, and you are one of the heirs or the founders of, or your family, yeah. I should say, of Partita Tequila. And it happens to be one of my favorite tequilas. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's I'm not cool. a big drinker, yeah. but it is my favorite. And, oh, yeah. And they had this like $500 bottle of tequila and you wow. knew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up? As a nutritionist? Yes. Yeah. Tell, I, want, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, but tell everybody, because you really broke rank. But well, I, tell everybody I, 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 a little I, bit of your story. I, I, I laugh a little bit about it because, you know, my sister and I started out and, you know, our family have been tiquileros for a long time and they've grown a lot of their agave and we decided to, or they decided at one point that it was better to distill and to do it themselves, right? And so it's always been in our blood. I mean, even since I was a little kid, you know, it was just, you know, something that was always available. Not that we were ever, you know, drinking it at, at, at will, but you know what I mean? So it was, it's, it's a it's not a novelty it's part of the me. heritage you know of your I mean? family. It's just yeah. like, okay, great. People are like, oh, gosh, you have this tequila. You must. And I said, yeah, I don't really like to drink, but, you know, you know <laughs> it's great. I, like, I call it a truth syrup. But so anyway. Well, you know what's interesting? I just want to say this. Do you know my grandfather used to make grappa in Montevideo, grappa, yeah. and they had a village and a vineyard and they made wine y grapa y todo eso. so i grew up with all that too and i don't even drink really right. yeah <laughs> so it's funny to yeah. hear you say that it's right. part of our heritage it's part of our heritage yeah. you know but anyway it was kind of funny because my sister sophia ended up you know kind of uh, spearheading it and i said okay well she to kill you and i to heal you <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. awesome yeah. that's good 
So we moved into that arena. But, you know, again, but you were an athlete. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was an you athlete. You went from you know? that. To- yeah, you know, and it's kind of funny because, you know, you always say you want to turn your passion into your purpose. And so it was a very natural thing for me to do, you know, as a young person getting recognized for, you know, a God-given talent. Oftentimes you don't even get recognized for those things in your own home because, you know, you can't get paid for, for, for track and field or any kind of athlete. So it's actually very discouraged in my house in regards to something I would put my time and attention to or, or certainly not validated. So, you know, I was having wonderful teachers to say, oh, wow, she's got a God-given talent and let's exercise this ability. And so it really was the foundation of everything that I do mm-hmm. because it taught me how to have, you know, more community besides having 10 brothers and sisters, but how to do team efforts, right? Because oftentimes mm-hmm. when you're in a, you know, a big family like that, you know, there's always kind of fights here and there, but you learn how to get along under the worst of conditions. Yeah. So it was just very natural for me to fall in as, as a leader, even as a, a, a coaching kind of mindset for the rest of the team, right? As management. So I guess took that love and I just let it to naturally you know, spin into the desire for helping people. So the first thing I did is, uh, as far as a, a career was health, a health club. And it just, you know, God always presents these wonderful opportunities. So when I was living in Hawaii, the opportunity was, I was actually had a scholarship to go to Arizona State after I had finished my basic you know, uh, two years. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to take the summer off and I'm going to go to Kauai and I'm just going to go enjoy myself because mm-hmm. I had family members there. But then I met a person who was really ingrained in the health club industry. And he said, oh my God, you'd be absolutely perfect for this industry. So it kind of jumped me into a natural career. So I started doing that. We built the first health club on Kauai. And then that kind of spawned into doing one in Marin County. And it was called Liliana's Aerobic Fitness Center. So kind of was just a natural progression from being an athlete uh, and then taking that passion and purpose and developing it into a health club. And then later when my parents uh, got cancer, then there was an opportunity for me now to dive into the world of nutrition. Mm. And it was very confusing because, you know, when you go on to the internet, as, as you would t- today, is it's all over the map. Should I, should be, be raw? Should you be, you know, a all over the place, or yeah. keto or this or that? And oftentimes even the research was that, that that, that nutrition really didn't matter. It wasn't really, you know, when in all reality, 30 to 35% of what you eat actually in regards to the progression of a disease, it matters, right? Yeah. And so when I started doing that, you know, I started realizing this is just another component of what I'm already doing. You know, people, you know, exercising and moving is one component component, but it's not the whole picture. You've got to what you put into your mouth as well. So it just, just created this beautiful blend and then the spiritual aspect of, you know, really have reverence for this body. If you have reverence for the body, then you put things that you would say are going to be, you know, intentful. This is going to fuel me as medicine rather than this is going to fuel my emotional desire because I'm upset or I'm angry or I feel dismissed, right? So we so often use food as our drug of choice. And so, you know, this natural progression of just, you know, again, that triangle again in terms of, you know, reverence for the body, uh, how you live, how you move, how you think, uh, how you socialize is is how you, how you are going to really try to uh, give people the opportunity to really look at their possibility of healing. Yeah. And I want to interject something yeah. because as you're thinking, I'm, I'm jotting some okay. notes down and, and this is for the sake of those listening to us. It's easy to sit here and listen to your story, to look you up, to see your history and say, wow, what an amazing person. But this is what every single individual is called to. This is what we're designed for. And I know a lot of your family history, of course, and you know a lot of mine. And we're just 
touching the highlights. We're not getting into the complex yeah, narratives yeah, no. <laughs> that brought us to the place where the concept of reverence for things that are sacred yeah. about our common humanity and how you develop sensitivity to that. And that's through suffering, yes. through pain yeah. and rejection. So I wanted to put a little footnote there, asterisk or whatever. Yeah. Secondly, don't look to your family to support to advance or to help you launch those dreams. A prophet has no honor in his own home. We have so many people that want to gift healing to their friends and family members. Due to popular request, we've officially created the Gift of Rest package for purchase. Please go to theplaceofrest.com forward slash wholeness packages to view the gift of rest. If you've been listening to our podcast regularly and are now wondering what's next or how can I get more support? Our day of rest course is available to support you in your pilgrimage. Use the promo code podcast, all lowercase, to receive a 10% discount for our introductory day of rest course. Now back to the show. When... You and I deal with patience. We see how intricately the fingerprints of God are in the design of every facet of that person's life. No matter how serious, how severe, how dark the situation, we see this pattern. But the mistake I think we all make is we put false expectations on our family and on the people that have influence in our life because we think they should be giving us this. They should be giving us that. No, they shouldn't. They're doing the best they can with what they have and they're showing up to feed you, to give you shelter and to sustain your life according to some extent of how theirs was sustained or not. And they try to do the best with what they have. And I deal with dark, dark, dark narratives and situations in people's lives. And I can't find an exception. And I think when we come to the realization that everybody in our spheres of influence shows up with everything they've got, we can't fully be free to live out the dreams that God made us for. He said he had foreknowledge of us before the beginning of time. And so that means we must have had some knowledge of him too. So these dreams are the things that compel us and he uses to mobilize us how? Individually, independently, dependent on each other. So I want to encourage everyone listening, please don't look at your family and judge them. Please don't sit here and look at all the things you weren't given and you don't have. People in your family, in your sphere of influence, gave you everything they had and did everything they could with the resources available to them. You have a little bit more. Right. Go leverage it and Absolutely. go. That was number one. Sorry, that was winded. But no, I want to I, I want to say something to that. Add to too. that. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. This is all about the dream yeah, part. Yeah. Your so, dream. Right. It's so so what you were saying is, you know, don't don't look to your parents. Now, think about this. Okay. When you are born you know, your primary concern is to find who your primary caretaker is. And hopefully it's the mother with the boob, right? And then the other aspect of that, because you have to have that safety, right? Then the other aspect of that is that for emotional health, the child needs to feel that they bring their mother joy. 
Okay, so yeah. when the mother is mad at a child, oftentimes they alienate by saying, go to your room, right? If you're going to behave that yeah. way, Separate. separation, Separate. right? Yeah. And that's really annihilation. Attachment. And that's really annihilation for a child, really, yes. because they don't know separation mean how long, you know, five, they don't understand, they have no critical thinking. So again, it's such a, it's such a detriment in regards of the child's ability to be able to express because whatever they express is not making their mother feel joy. So that's where they learn how to begin to suppress, right? Um, yes. Talk what I also want to say too is that I always say, tell my patients, I go, how many times did your child say, mommy, look at me? Yeah. Now, oftentimes enough to annoy you, right? And I said, they weren't really trying or to ask annoy. you questions. Yeah. Mommy, look at me. Mommy, look at me. And I said, why were they doing that? They were looking for safety cues. Okay. One was, mommy, look at me. Is what I'm doing okay with you? Can I continue to do it? Right. And also, what do you think about it right yeah. and usually we say look at you good job good girl good boy look how cute and it and it and validates them and it makes them feel one that they're going in the right direction yeah and connection they're yeah. just looking for connection, connection. and awareness yeah. yeah we're trying to restore this concept of mindfulness yeah that's what they're trying to do right and, and to be and engaged and, and very for validation right mm-hmm. and so often when we didn't get that that acknowledgement and we were overlooked we are seeking it from the outside world which we mm-hmm. give our power away because if i need you to validate me in a specific way and you don't then it makes me feel less of myself and i'm gonna go look for it somewhere right? else yeah and yeah. this is and to your point is that if we don't get it at home because they didn't get it and they're not aware of it that god always sends a mentor mm-hmm. yeah okay like i had teachers i got a fifth grade teacher that you know really you know i, I can thank her for being in the position i am because she was a person that really stood in as that one to take me to all my track meets and to come and talk to my parents and, and you know and to ask for permission work because they were extremely strict you know i wasn't allowed to do pretty much anything after puberty and you know, after puberty you could get pregnant you can't go anywhere without a supervision right yeah um and so uh so you always just say well if i didn't get it at home uh and only you know what you did get and since you don't need a bottle or diapers changed then you need to give it to yourself but recognize that those you know mentors that were put in your place as replacements so important that's an excellent point I also want to interject for those listening, and I'm always thinking of of those listening because I want them to know that we're with you. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly, Mm -hmm. distraught, pain. We've been there. Sometimes we are there, Natalie, in and out in a given week. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to be there. And so all of this is to continue to speak to what's common to all of us in our humanity. And I want to say this, sometimes the separation, the attachment issues that Liliana just addressed can happen because of unexpected states of disease. For example, after I had Jordan, my second daughter, we were separated immediately two days after, three days after she was born. I had a uterine infection, Mm. contracted something at the hospital somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, hospitals are very dirty places, right. as we all yeah. know now. And a friend saved my life. But guess what happened? She walked in and we were like, I was like a, a fish that was gasping for its last air. And Jordan was still, she could be laying against my chest, but neither of us had really eaten all day. And it was like 3.30 in the afternoon and she's a newborn baby. She didn't make a sound. I didn't make a sound. I thought we're just exhausted. I don't know what I thought. I was in and out. She took me immediately to the hospital. Well, they admitted me for almost two weeks. I was in the hospital. I could have died. And so Jordan and I were separated. Yeah. 
That's Can you imagine that's, that? That's trauma right there. Trauma for both of us. Yes. Then when I came home, I looked at her and of course you beeline it for your baby, right? Oh yeah. And I go to her and I pick her up. And of course I'm just so happy. I thought I died and went to heaven, right? My mom had the other, had Morgan. My sister did actually. But I remember thinking when I touched her, Liliana, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And everybody says, that's why don't listen to silence the voice of everybody. Yeah. yeah. You listen to your conscience, intuition. you listen to your intuition and you listen to God mm-hmm. and something is wrong. And I'll never forget my mom. No, no, no. You need to sit down. You need to rest. And everybody's just, you know, saying, no, you're fine, Virginia. You just need to go to bed. Everything's fine. We'll take care of everything. We have dinner. We have all the practical things. And of course you get out of the hospital, you're kind of delirious anyway. Yeah. But I was in a state of dis-ease. And the next morning when I was all by myself, Ray had a board of advisors meeting at Stony Brook Christian School at the time. And I'll never, ever forget. I went straight for my baby. And I picked her up and I said, no. And I got in the car and I went to a walk-in clinic on a Sunday around 11. And the doctor looked at me and he looked at her and he said, I don't have time to call an ambulance for you. You need to go straight to a hospital. Like Mm -hmm. right now they're waiting for you at Mission Hospital. Imagine this. I walked into the emergency room of Mission Hospital and they took her from me. I didn't sign paperwork. I didn't do anything. And somebody took her from my arms and disappeared with her. And then I was, of that course, is mortifying. trembling. So I was in the hospital. She was in the hospital. So we were separated for almost three weeks. Wow. You couldn't peel me out of that intensive care room, right? I was like a, a mother bear. Yeah. But the nurses, you can imagine why I'd been. And so when you say these things, sometimes our children and us, we can develop all these bizarre, invisible attachment issues with our children that we don't understand like we certainly didn't understand them 20 years ago like we do now Liliana definitely not we have technology to pick that up and to help you mitigate that so don't judge yourself harshly whether you're 20 30 40 50 80 or 90 years old listening to this be careful there are circumstances that happen in our lives that make bonding like we'd like and like we desire a problem, and then we try to make up for it for the rest of our lives in ways that aren't always constructive and productive. Mm-hmm. But it's never too late, right, Lily? Oh no, it's never too late to I mean, figure out. Oh my so God, malleable. I didn't know that happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, we deal with that with our patients yeah. a lot. I didn't know that happened to me. Yeah, yeah. And, you we know, we can that. have like mm-hmm. always say the issues are in the tissues, right? Because of the PTSD mindset, 100%. and you know, just with that experience with her, I, I had I didn't have that kind of experience with with my daughter, but. You know, she was born with a cleft lip, right? So immediately they whisked her out of the, you know, she was born, you know, feet first, right? So I had to have a cesarean after Ouch. I was all ready to have a total natural birth in, in Bali, right? Actually, it was in Jakarta because they didn't have a good hospital in Bali. But anyway, so when she was born, they kind of just whisked her off, right? And I'm just like, well, okay, is this normal, right? Yeah. And then they come back and they said, oh, your daughter's perfect, but, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, the, and, and it's hey, that, let's talk about that yeah. for a minute. I want you to say what you're, I want you to finish what you're going to say. But I want you to address the developmental things that yes, were absolutely. happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, just the issues in the tissues, right? That's, That's right. What we were talking about, you know, in regards to because that, she yeah. was born with a cliff lip and the attachment things that might have happened there, right? But look what was happening in your personal life and in your private oh, life. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. A lot of turmoil. Oh, yeah, a lot of turmoil. And so, you know, the immediate you're going to have is this instant to try to, you know, one reconcile with that 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 
that, you know, it's my I, fault. Uh, yeah. That, what, what, did did I, I what did I do? Right. And then of course I could go through a list of things that I could name. Right. Um, and then I had to just, you know, really look at my God, she's healthy. All right. Everything about her is 100% healthy. And I was just so lucky because the day that I had her, there was a very famous physician from Australia there. And he was the one that would go to all of these, the rotary, you know, club type things and go do all these surgeries all over the world, napalm victims and stuff. So I met with him the very next day and he said, oh my goodness, I'll have this done in 15 minutes. You bring her to Adelaide, Australia, no problem. So it really gave me a sense of, you know, I could breathe, right? But nevertheless, I couldn't do this until she was three months old. But it was just amazing, uh, just that survivability skill, one of the child, because she latched on perfectly fine with a cleft lip. You know, they were like, is she going to latch on? You know, but there she did. She did. So this innateness of survivability was so beautiful, Mm -hmm. but also the trauma of the need to care for her more with an anxiousness to it, you know, because it was just like, you know, I, not only the surgery and of course, you know, they, and fear. they yeah, and just yeah fear. absolutely. And, and then also, you know, the after of take of care of the surgery and, you know, what I had to, you know, put like this little, you know, kind of a retainer in her nose for three months. And it was just, it was just really traumatizing. Right. So I became more anxious mother in regards of her care. Mm. Right. Oh, total. So, do I know yeah. anxious that you have an anxious attachment with that child yeah you're right and so you know but then again i had to rewrite that story because when she you know moved out of the house went to college all this kind of mindset even though she just lived right you know you know 30 minutes away you know it was like i had really realized how entwined i was with the need of protection you know mm-hmm. and i started developing even a relationship with her that i anticipated that every time she called it was for me to fix her you know i got a bladder infection i got a cold sore i got a this i got a that and then i started saying stop Liliana because what you're doing is you're creating this relationship this the need to fix her so in all reality you can't even die because you got to stay on the planet to fix your daughter right I thought how stupid <laughs> is this you know what I mean so it's I bondage had, there's yeah. no freedom in that yeah it's so much bondage you know it's so codependent so I had the really you know it's the time that I did the Sarah set with you and all of these do you things. remember that yeah Lily you know what I was just thinking how old is she now she's 31 31 yeah. A few years ago, you and I were still unwrapping this. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, and even with Jordan now, I'm always having to continue to unwrap this. And I will say, I think we take some of those dynamics different, but the weight and the sensitivity to those needs in our children, I think we take some of those things to our grave. Oh, yeah. Forever you have to caution against, wait, where's my boundary? Boundaries are for us, not them, right? Yes, yes. Am I I crossing over that boundary? Yeah. Right? Yeah, because even the thought pattern of what you you expect that phone call is going to be creates it. Yeah. You know, so I just started stop doing. It. I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not even for one second going to be thinking that that phone rings and it's her that, that she needs something. And as soon as I stopped doing it, then we started stopped having conversations like that. And I didn't ask her, well, how's your lip or how's your this or how's your that. So that so all of a sudden now we don't have a completely different relationship. And now I just say, okay, God, she's your child. I did my job. I shepherded her up to where she's capable. Got married two, three, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And so now I just raise my hands. I say the divine light will protect mm-hmm. her from any harm. And then I just let go of it instead of allowing that anxiety and fear of what ifs what the world is the way it is and oh my gosh she wants two. to have kids you know what phase two of this story is what when the grandbabies yeah, <laughs> the 
I've already started doing blood work on her. Let's get the toxins out. Let's let's see what you're deficient in. Absolutely. I know. And then we got to step back and say, wait, what am I doing? Right. Mm -hmm. This is her. She's got a husband. She's perfectly capable because we put ourselves in positions where we really begin to condition them to make us little idols and little gods in their life. Right. And we either, either way, sooner or later, it's going to repel them. So we don't want to do this. No, we, no. And I think I'm, I'm thankful. I know we're finishing segment one, but I'm thankful we've been honest, I think, about some of these phases that we've personally gone through in the context of discussing some of the illnesses we face and that triangle you talk about. The health of the spirit, the soul, the body. And I know you're going to get very specific and we're going to get ultimately into diet and into nutrition and into that. But I want to continue to have this conversation in the context of real life story, narrative and consequence of neglecting these things and neglecting speaking about these things. Because when we have an anxious attachment style with our children, that means they have one with us. Oh, absolutely. And it's governing areas of their life in ways that are not productive. And it's going to affect their health. And so I want to continue to have an honest conversation about this in that context, Lily. Good. My favorite. Me too. Sounds good. We'll pick that up in the next segment. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to theplaceofrest.com forward slash donate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.